Well, welcome home. I hope you know today that the God who made you sees you today and he loves you. It's no accident that you're seated in this room or that you're watching online in this moment. I don't know if you're going through a storm right now and you've been clinging to God. Maybe you just need to hear today, keep holding on to him. Uh, Or maybe you're going through a storm and you're considering God. In either case, I just feel compelled by the Spirit to tell you today, just as we start, God sees you. He's aware of what's going on in your life, and you're looking to the right place for answers. They're found in Jesus. Keep looking to him. You know, in this series, we've been learning that God cares about your dream home desires. We're looking at these stories in the Gospels where Jesus enters people's homes, and he actually cares about your house. I mean, think about that. He cares about the people who live in your house, and he went into people's homes, and he ate on their, you know, their dishes and their tables, and like he wants to be in your home, and we've learned in this series he cares about your dream home desires as it relates to your physical dwelling, yes, but we've also learned that according to Jesus, there's way more important components of your home, and one of those is the relationships in your home. Your marriage relationship or your parent-child relationship, your in-law relationships, the people who live in your home, God cares about them. And he wants to help you have that dream home that uh, you set out with at some point in life saying, I'm going to make this great life. And then all of us, as we start to do it, we find out it's a little harder than we thought. God cares about your dream home desires, but isn't it true that building your dream home life It's really hard work. I mean, maybe you work hard and you get the physical part of it checked off your list, but the relationships inside are crumbling. Or maybe you you work hard on the relationships and you're surrounded by loving people and they care about you and they're not perfect, but they're pretty good. But inside your inner home, you just lack peace. Man, we've lived through a time of such anxiety and uncertainty these last 18 months. And it seems like every time we think we're through it, It kind of flares back up and it starts over. And especially for parents with kids, it's like, okay, so what does this mean now? You know, what do we do now? I was praying for you guys this last week and I was praying over your homes. And God just reminded me of this time when we used to live in California, we would go to the beach all the time. And here's our daughter, Zoe. And this story, this is a story that happened more than once, but we'd be at the beach and Zoe would be building her dream sandcastle. And she'd be so into it, and she'd be so excited. Uh, The problem is that uh, there's a little bit of a villain in Zoe's story at this age. Now, the kids have grown up a little bit. But whenever we'd go to the beach, Jack had this uh, plastic Tonka truck. And he was just at that perfect height where you could put your two hands on the sides of the dump truck part, and you could just run around full speed. And inevitably, no matter how hard, how many times we told Jack, Leave Zoe's sandcastle alone. She'd be building and she'd be, you know, just putting everything she had into this little dream sandcastle. And then she'd take a break maybe to go down to the water. You know, you get some more of the wet sand for packing and the sandcastle would be wide open. And Jack was at this age with all his boy energy where he just couldn't help himself. He's like open target. Open target for the semi-truck, the dump truck. And I remember one time in particular when he just clobbered her sandcastle that she had worked on so hard. And Zoe was just devastated. 
She was in tears. And I wonder if you ever feel that way in your life. I mean, my goodness, the pace of life right now and the number of variables we have to deal with of uncertainty, it just feels like, okay, we finally get it set up and then something comes along and knocks it down and we try to set it back up again. I don't know where in your life right now you feel like you're in a storm like that or something has knocked down your dream home desires. As a movement, every year we see thousands of people in our church family go through storms in life. Sometimes we go through storms and it's, it's like a nice little spring rain and it's not that bad and the storm ends. And other times we go through storms and it's like a hurricane. It's just like, are we going to even make it? through this. That was the case just a few years ago for Jared and Kirsten. They had worked so hard to build their dream life. They actually met here. They actually, he asked her to marry him in the courtyard here. And Jared went to med school to get his uh, MD degree, and they got married, and they had their first kiddo. Here they are at a recent Christmas here at Connection Point. And it looked like everything was coming together for that dream home life. A part of Jared's job as a doctor, he actually works uh, in the unit where if you go in to get an MRI or a brain scan, uh, that's where he works. And so the hospital he works at in downtown Indianapolis, they got a new uh, MRI machine. And for fun, Jared and the other employees, they were giving themselves MRIs to calibrate the machine, to test it before they put actual, you know, patients in there. And so Jared hops in there under the impression that, like, everything's great in life. I've married my high school sweetheart. Uh, you know, I, everything's set. We've got God. We've got our first kid. The career's on track. Everything is going just as planned. And they did that MRI, and the other physicians pulled Jared aside afterwards, and he thought, why are they so serious? And then they showed him the MRI, and this is what was in Jared's head, a brain tumor. No symptoms, no idea that there was a brain tumor. And we as a church family, we walked with Jared and Kirsten as they clung to God in an unthinkable storm. A storm not only of, of physical consequences, but if you think emotionally for Jared, emotionally for Kirsten as a young mom, what in the world is gonna happen? God, where are you? And we prayed with them and we walked with them. And by God's grace, uh, that tumor was able to be completely removed. By God's grace, there's no cancer at all involved. And by God's grace, here's Jared and Kirsten now. And I want to tell you their story for two reasons. One, for those of you who prayed for them, can we just celebrate for a moment God's faithfulness and his answer to our prayers? They've added to their family, as you can see. And here's what's beautiful about Jared and Kirsten's story. It's not just that they survived. You know, you meet people who they survived, like physically their heart is still beating and they're alive after a storm. You meet other people who go through the storm and afterwards they're stronger. They have a deeper joy. They have a, an even firmer foundation. They have a resilience, and they have uh, something in their spirit that you think, man, that, they went through the most unthinkable storm, 
And now they're, they were already like these amazing people, and now they have even more joy. They have even more purpose. They have even more gratitude. How does that happen? And here's the question we're asking together today. How can you build a home that stands strong through the storms of life? Because it's not a question of if you're going to go through storms. The question is when you go through storms. And maybe the storm you're in right now is one of those gentle spring rains, or maybe the storm you're in right now is a hurricane storm like the Shields family. How can you build a home, your closest relationships, your internal identity, your sense of, of peace and joy? How can you build a household that stands strong through the most severe, the fiercest storms of life? If God answers this question, if there was a time when Jesus specifically said, here's how you do this, would you want to know? Would you want to know what Jesus says you can do today to be in that position that Jared and Kirsten have been in? Well, here's the answer. Jesus actually spoke directly to this in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, is like a wise person who builds their house on the rock. Now, if you grew up going to church Sunday school, you probably know where this is headed. Uh, but whether you grew up going to church or this is your very first time in church, I want to encourage you right now in your heart to just say, God, I want to hear from you about building a life and a household for my kids, for my loved ones, that will stand firm through the storms of life. If you will pray that from your spirit to God, he will speak to you today. You know, this word house that Jesus uses in this story he's about to tell, it's this Greek word oikia. And our whole Welcome Home series has been a study of that word home. It's called a word study, when you find a word in the Bible and you just trace it through. And if you've been here, you've probably heard me say that when you drive by the Ikea furniture store, not my strongest recommendation on quality furniture, but it looks good, okay? <laughs> like everything we've bought from Ikea. Here's the thing. If you're a retiree and you only have little dogs, Ikea furniture is probably good. If you have kids under the age of 10, it's disposable, okay? So, but look at that. That's Ikea right there. So that's a Greek word, actually, that Ikea is based on this Greek word from the New Testament, which means home or house or household. So especially in Jesus' culture, this would refer to the parents and the kids. Often you had multiple generations living under one roof. This referred to the structure, to the people, to the relationships, to the well-being, the whole spirit and mood of the home. Now in this series, I've encouraged you to visualize your dream home, and there's nothing wrong with thinking of a physical dream home that you want. I don't know what yours looks like. This has been a placeholder we've used. But I want you to imagine your dream home, and I want you to imagine not just the bricks and the mortar and the drywall. I want you to really visualize your dream home relationships. Who are the most important people in your home? Kids or grandkids, loved ones. Who is in your oikia, your household? And with that in mind, Jesus says this, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. This will happen in your life. 
No matter how much money you make, no matter how much you try to protect yourself and your loved ones from difficulty, there will be times when the rain comes down metaphorically in your life. There will be times when the streams rise and the wind beats against your household, your oikia. I want to show you a visual of this about a month ago. There was uh, rains that came down in Germany and in a lot of Western Europe. And as those rains came down, the streams rose. And a number of the rivers overran their riverbanks. And there were entire villages and cities there throughout Germany and parts of Europe that flooded. And we got a, a really literal visual of what Jesus is talking about here. And probably Jesus' audience, maybe they've seen this. They know what it's like. They're a little more connected to the outdoors than we are today. They know what it is, especially there in the Middle East and the Near East, when you get a flash flood. And what was a totally dry canyon, all of a sudden uh, it's filling up. And then you get this brown, murky mud rushing through because it's a flash flood. They would have had a sense of this. And Jesus says this in verse 25, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against your home, and yet your home did not fall. Why? Because it had its foundation on the rock. Now, I want to show you a, a picture of this because in those same floods in Germany, I was looking through all the footage, and I found these older homes built out of stone where the floodwaters had rushed through. It's not like they were um, spared from the flood. The flood rushed through, but because of their construction and their foundation, they just stood firm through the storm. This is the picture that Jesus is giving. He's more or less saying, this is what I want for you. This is what I want for your kids in every season of life. This is what the heart of God is for your family in this world, and then knowing for sure that when you pass through the ultimate flood and storm of death and your body breaks down, that you wake up in the presence of God because you built your life on the foundation of Christ. Now, Jesus is going to give a contrast in verse 26, and this is really interesting. He says this out of love. Everyone who hears these words of mine, which you're doing today, you're hearing them, he says, if you hear my words, but you don't put them into practice, well, then you're like a, a person who instead of building their house on the rock, they build it on the sand. What happens if you build your house on the sand? Well, when the, when the torrential rains come down and rain, you know, gravity, it's going to keep going down. It will go beneath your house. And if what's beneath your house is sand, it will literally just start to eat away the sand like a canyon. And eventually your house is going to be standing over nothing, and eventually it's going to collapse in on itself. That's what he says in verse 27. The rain came down. The streams rose. So, by the way, identical language. It's the identical storm. Two different homes. It's the identical storm. One of them stands firm because it's built on rock. The other one, that sand erodes out from under it, and it falls with a great crash. And that is, this is the same flood footage I was showing you earlier. That is exactly what happened to this home. You can see as the water started to eat away the sand beneath it, it pulled out the foundation. And without a foundation, a home collapses on itself. So a, a few simple but profound observations from Jesus' words today. First, 
you will have storms in life. There's, there's nothing you can do to avoid them. Everyone will have them. And when you go through storms, Jesus says you only have two options. This is what I love about Jesus' teaching. He says, do you want to get to heaven? Well, there's a broad road that leads to destruction. There's a narrow road of trusting in me and following me that leads to eternal life. Those are your only two options. It's great. It's not like a menu with 50 options. You just have two. And he says it's the same for your household, for your home. You have two options. You build it on the rock, and it will survive the storms of life. You build it on the sand, and it will collapse. Now, I want to pause here because I think especially to those of you who maybe heard the story as a kid, wise man build his house upon the rock, you're thinking, well, yeah, okay, I get it. Believe in Jesus. You have to believe in Jesus. He's the rock. He's the solid rock, right? Actually, if we look at what Jesus said, the answer to the question of how do you know for sure your house is built on the rock is, is more than just believing in Jesus. That is the start but let's look at Jesus' exact words. How do you know you've built your house on the rock? Jesus tells us back at the beginning in verse 24, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, that's the person who builds their house on the rock. So if you hear Jesus' words and you don't put them into practice, you're building on sand. If you hear Jesus' words and you say, oh, I'm a believer, I believe, but then you don't put them into practice. You're still building on sand. Don't fool yourself. And when the storm comes, that foundation that you thought was there isn't there. So how do you know for sure that you're building on the rock? Very simply, it's this. Secure your home and stabilize your home. Know that you're building on the rock. How? By doing what Jesus says. That's what he said. Whoever hears these words and puts them into practice. Uh, you, could, you could phrase it a number of different ways. Listen and obey. Believe and follow. So you do believe. And again, we're saved by grace through faith, not by our works. We don't get into heaven because we followed Jesus and got gold stars and we performed our way to heaven. Now, the only performance that could get you and me into heaven was Jesus' performance on the cross where he paid the penalty for our sins. But after you believe in Jesus, he gives you these promises for your life. And he says, by the way, if you really believe me, you will follow me. Now, the standard for that isn't you'll follow perfectly, because none of us do. And that's part of why in God's providence, in the Bible, we have Jesus' disciples who were very imperfect followers. I mean, Peter in particular, who was one of Jesus' closest three, he's messing up all the time. So with Jesus, it's not about perfection, it's about direction. Are you getting back up when you fall down? Are you consistently engaged with the word of God? Are you, are you making the effort consistently to say, Jesus, because I believe you, I follow you? Because we all do what we actually believe. We all do what we actually believe. And so the point is this. Jesus says, you want that, that solid rock foundation for your home? He is the solid rock. But you build your house on it by obeying, by doing what he says, by believing and then following put it this way. Do you want Jesus' promise of a secure home? Hearing his words isn't enough. Even saying and feeling, oh yeah, I believe those. Now that, that's, that's the start of your, that's your salvation right there. But just having a feeling like, oh, I had a great moment with Jesus a couple Easter's ago. So I'm sure if I just live a normal life and never go to church and go through a storm, everything's going to be okay. 
No, if you want that solid foundation that the storm comes and you're just like, boom, you're grounded, you're firm, it's not comfortable, but you have joy in the middle of it like Jared and Chris, Kirsten Shields did, then you've got to actually put his words into practice. Again, the, the standard isn't perfection, it's direction. So depending on where you are today, maybe you're new with us here and you're like, whoa, can I do this? Yes, you can do this. It's actually really, really simple. It's just one day at a time, one week at a time. And you start with the weekends. Like, I'm just going to be there every weekend. And if my kids are home quarantined from school, I'm going to watch online. Like, we're going to be engaged with our body of believers every weekend no matter what. That's your, that's your step one. And as you do that, you just keep obeying what he shows you to do one step at a time. And then you're putting his words into practice. You know, verse 24 of this story Jesus told, it starts with this word, therefore. And I want to give you something, uh, it says Bible study 101, okay? Because we are big on the word of God here. One thing we say, uh, you'll hear it all the time as a church, is that Jesus is the head of our church. He's our true capital L leader. I get to serve him. We all get to serve him together. He's our true leader. His word is always our guide and his spirit is always our power. So if you don't have a copy of God's word that you love to read, Stop by our Connection Corner today. We'll give you a Life Application Study Bible. It's the same one that I teach from. And there's this kind of uh, rule of thumb when you're reading the Bible and you see the word therefore, you ask, what is it therefore? Because therefore is like a, it's pretty much saying, because of everything else I've said, now here's the conclusion. And so let me just give you a little bit of context of this great story that Jesus told us. It's called the parable of the two houses. Parables uh, were metaphor stories or analogy stories that Jesus would tell to make a point. And while we usually look at this story by itself, it's actually the conclusion of one of Jesus' sermons. It's like his final illustration from actually the longest recorded uninterrupted sermon of Jesus that we have. It spans three chapters here in Matthew. And by the way, if you want to read that whole sermon in your Life Application Study Bible, you'll find it's incredibly relevant to your life. It talks about your clothes. It talks about your money. It talks about forgiveness. It talks about your priorities. It talks about your enemies and revenge. Uh, it's in this uh, sermon that Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You've probably heard that. So, I mean, he really covers so much in here. And it's really interesting that he ends it with this illustration of these two homes. Now, I'm not going to preach all of Matthew 5 through 7 in one message here, but I do want you to know today for sure that you're built on the solid rock. So let me synthesize or summarize those three chapters. Uh, the first thing is there's three decisions. Now, I'm guessing many of you have already made these three decisions, but I just want to make sure you know what they are, because if you haven't, you've got to make these three decisions today if you want to be building your life on the solid rock. First is... Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? In other words, do you believe Jesus is God? He died on the cross for your sins. He rose from the dead. And that you get into right relationship with God, not by paying money to a church or going on mission trips, but by believing in the work Jesus did on the cross. Have you done that? You, you got to do that. That's step one. Step two, you make Jesus the king of your life. Because if you read Jesus' longest sermon there in Matthew 5 through 7, you're going to find this recurring theme, and it is the word kingdom. We are citizens, once we trust in Jesus, of a kingdom. 
which have a nationality that's higher than our U.S. citizenship. We have a kingdom that's higher, a kingdom that is eternal. That someday when heaven, when this whole planet earth is melted down and God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth that's not broken by sin, that doesn't have cancer or death or war or disease, all the other nations of this world will be past tense, Rome and Greece and Egypt, but the kingdom of God is the only kingdom that cannot be shaken. When you believe in Jesus, you become a citizen of that kingdom. And when I say follow Jesus, and it's not about perfection, it's about direction, it's just saying this, Jesus, I do want you to be the king of my life. Oh, I messed up again. If I confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive me my sins, cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Jesus, I wanna live again like you're the king of my life. And you just keep... You just keep putting him in that number one position. That is a given if you're building your house on the rock. Third, live for his kingdom. And that's what we teach you to do here. On our weekends and as you get into a small group or you start getting on a serving team, you're rubbing shoulders and you're living life with other followers of Jesus, citizens of this kingdom, and we help each other. I mean, I have plenty of times where I'm like, my oldest, is, this is his first year in middle school, and he's a great young man, I, but I'm like, I've never been a middle school parent before. So I go to the families that are just a little further ahead than me, where their kids are in high school or in college, and I'm like, how did you guys do this? By the way, single best piece of advice I've gotten for parenting teenagers from a brother in our church, he said, keep them busy and keep them broke. I mean, of everything I've heard, I'm like, I can do that. I can keep them broke. He was like, it's the ones who have too much time and too much money who really get into a lot of trouble. Keep them busy, keep them broke. Okay, maybe God brought you here just for that. All right. Okay, so these are three decisions. Make these. If you haven't made them yet, just be like, boom, I'm making these. By the way, next week we're having baptisms in here. Baptism is you publicly saying, I've believed in Jesus and he's the king of my life. If you've never done that for yourself, see one of our pastors up front afterwards or go to our Connection Corner. Uh, we want to help you make that public declaration next weekend of saying, Jesus is my king. Uh, and if your parents did that for you when you were an infant, that, that's a beautiful symbol that they did. But Jesus taught what's called believer's baptism, where you decide it for yourself. So we want to help you with that next week if you haven't yet done that. Now, here's where it gets a little more uh, probably the rubber meeting the road for many of us who are like, oh, yeah, Jesus is Messiah. He's king of my life. Yes, yes, yes. Three ways you actually keep your life on the solid rock. Remember, he said, whoever puts my words into practice. What does that actually look like in the year 2021 in the United States? What does that look like for us? Well, one, it looks like gathering weekly. The book of Hebrews says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. So obviously during like plagues and epidemics, sometimes we have to gather online. But it's saying whether I'm online or in person, I'm going to physically or mentally and emotionally and spiritually be with the other believers. Why? Because, you know, I'm responsible enough to pay my mortgage or rent every month. I'm responsible enough to pay my cell phone bill every month. Why do I do those? Because I believe that when I pay those things, my life is going to be better. If I really believe in Jesus, I'm going to, every Sunday or weekend, be gathered with other believers, physically or online, in a way that says, I am declaring Jesus is the leader of my life, and I want to hear from his word, and I want to obey him. That's step one. So by the way, if you're here and you're like, 
um, God's been speaking to you here in the month of August, maybe this is your decision today. Like, we're not gonna be a family that we just go to church when things are hard or when we feel like it. Like, we're gonna be there, or if we're sick or out of town, be online every single weekend because Jesus is our king. Second step is you find your group. Uh, I mentioned me asking brothers in our church who are a few years ahead of me on parenting, how in the world did you do this? God wants you to have relationships like that. And this is a movement of thousands of people where there are, are so many people who've been through what you're going through, and God's gonna use them in your life as you get into a group with them. And I'll tell you how to do that in a moment. And then the third thing is to start serving consistently. Serving somewhere. Uh, we've got people behind the stage um, who help. Someone gave me this bottle of water. Thank you. We've got people who uh, are greeters at the front. We've got people serving right now in Kids City. We have hundreds of people here every weekend. And you know what happens when you start to serve regularly? You make deep relationships and you start to grow. And so I, I often say gather, group, serve. Um, this is, I don't want to say it's a you pick two menu, okay? But if you're starting off, pick two. You will grow the most when you're doing all three of these consistently. But if you're, if you're just at step one, pick either group or serve. Here's a promise that I've been making from the time I started with a church of 40 people in Arizona. And I've never had someone tell me it didn't work. If you will do two of these regularly from the heart for six months, you're like, I will be there every week, I will be in my group every week, or I will serve every week. You, you pick two of these and you do them regularly and you say, God, I want to see you work in my life. You will see God work in your life. You will. I've never had, I've said that so many times, I've never had someone come up to me and say, hey, uh, you lied to me. So let me know if it doesn't work for you, okay? I want to show you the story of a brother in our church um, who knew the words of Jesus and, and he, had, he had drifted away in life. And when he drifted away, uh, his house collapsed. But God used you all to bring him back to the word of God, and then he chose to put Jesus' words into practice, and it has rebuilt his life. Go ahead and take a look. My walk started very early. I was 12 or 13. Um, I walked away from the Lord for a lot of years, um, did a lot of dumb, stupid things in my life, and um, it's kind of one of those things, you put yourself on a pedestal, and eventually you're gonna fall, and I did, and I felt hard. Um, lost my marriage, lost my family, lost everything. I met my wife now, um, who is by far the most godly woman I've ever known in my life. Um, and she, her and I have kind of walked this journey together, navigating. She's taught me so much. And um, the pandemic started. Um, a friend of ours gave us um, a link to Pastor John's Daily Hope. I'll see you tomorrow for more Daily Hope. Uh, we started watching Daily Hope every day. We started um, catching his sermons on Sunday. Uh, my wife seen the ad for and the email for Authentic Manhood and said, hey, why don't you sign up for this and at least go one Sunday and see what it looks like. And from there, um, I've been involved ever since. And so as I've gotten to know these men, you know, we've been able to sit and we've been able to talk and heck, we've been able to cry and we've been able to do some things um, inside, this, inside this small group of this Bible study. It's been very good to have that in my life. I was raised by my mom, um, basically my mom, my grandma, my great grandma. So I was raised by a bunch of women. I knew how to crochet 
at 12 years old. And so I never had a man, if you will, to help mentor me and show me what it was like to, to be a man, to be a father, to be a husband. It, it really is a good thing, not only for new Christians, but experienced Christians, mature Christians, and also men who have kind of been in and out of their walk for many years as I have been, and still be, you know, and they still talk about being cultivating and being um, caring and being loving and loving your wife and loving your kids um, and being the man that they need you to be to step up and be the leader in the family. I don't think that you can change anything overnight. It, I used to be the biggest hothead in the world and I used to like to fight. Um, and a lot of that stemmed from alcohol and things like that. But I understand now the, the need to not only be a strong presence in my family, but also be a nurturing presence in my family and to be that loving husband and loving father that both my wife and my kids need. Isn't that awesome? Love that. For Michael and his family, they had no idea I was going to run that, and they're sitting here. He's got his arms around his household. It's beautiful. That story started a year ago uh, during the pandemic when one of you sent him our daily devotional, and what has happened? He heard Jesus' words. He's put them into practice. The life change happens after you hear and you put them into practice. Uh, that same group that Michael described for men, uh, you can get into that group today. And here's how. When you leave this service, you're gonna see these small group banners. You'll follow them down to our gymnasium. If you've never been down there, it's a massive gymnasium. And there's an event going on down there today, immediately after our service, called the Small Groups Fair. And there are a number of groups for men, including that one. You can get into that group today and start doing two out of three and building your household on the rock so that you can stand firm through the storms of life. You can also text the word group to us if you're watching online or even if you're here and you have to run immediately afterwards, though, no excuses. If you actually care about this, you should go down to the gym. But if you want to text the word, go ahead, text the word group, or especially for those of you online, Check this out from the book of Isaiah. You know, God's people in the book of Isaiah, they were his people no matter what. And what, there were times they walked with him and times they didn't. And they faced battles with enemies no matter what. But when they were walking with God, they would prevail in the battles. In other words, their house would stand. When they weren't walking with God, they would collapse in the battles. And that, that happens over and over in the Old Testament. And in the middle of that, God says this when we're walking with him. He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Think about that. The rains came down. The streams rose up. The wind beats against your home. And God, almighty God, says, I will be with you in that moment. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not consume you or set you ablaze. And so we get this principle over and over again. We will go through storms. We will go through battles. But when we listen to Jesus' words and put them into practice, we are sustained through them. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, I can't teach the whole text. Maybe next week I can fit in some of it. But the assumption of Ephesians 4 is this. You are part of a church body of other believers. You're gathering with them weekly. And you're using your gift to serve others within the church. When you're doing that, then... You will no longer be a spiritual infant. 
Then you will no longer be tossed back and forth by the waves. Isn't that like life right now? Tossed back and forth by the waves. And the whole point of Ephesians 4 is when you find your place in the body and you're regularly committed, then you don't have to be tossed back and forth anymore. I got to show you guys just one more story because I know there's some of you where in your household, you're the one who every weekend is saying we got to go to church and no one else in the house wants to. And you're hanging in there. And I want to show you a, a wife who prayed with her small group of women for years and years and years, asking God to work in the heart of her husband. And I want you to go ahead and see how he answered her prayers. We would attend church. She would be vested in church. Um, and uh, if I didn't attend a Sunday, the boys would question her of why they had to go and why dad didn't. And so, so I would attend and I would, you know, she, she would sometimes greet at the, at the front doors and she'd be like, oh, you can greet with me. And I'd be like, yeah, I'll go inside and sit down and I can stay in my little wall so I don't have to interact with people or get to know anybody because they don't need to know who I am and so I can't disappoint them. I didn't see my purpose, know a purpose, uh, didn't see how God could use me in any way. Uh, there were a couple times when I said things and realized pretty quickly that there wasn't really anything I could say that could change anything, and I just started praying about it. Uh, I got a text from some friends who had moved from to Florida. They said, hey, we're going to be back home in the spring to do the, the mini marathon. Would you do that with us? And I said, no, because I'm not a runner, have no desire whatsoever. And so we bantered for a couple weeks and I said, well, the church has the mini training program, so I'm going to sign up and do the mini in, in the spring. Uh, scared to death. What I found in this program of the mini training is all sorts of people who didn't know me, had no idea about my story, who obviously didn't see the faults that I saw in me because they continued to love and support and say, hey, you can do this. And, and I learned in the coming years that this was where God was placing me at a time that I needed it with people I needed. And I was in the couch to 5K and I was loving on everybody, cheering and ha ha, rah, rah, and, and just doing all that I could to support them. And I felt somebody tap me on the head, said, hey, this guy that was here tonight that, that supports his runners and, and loves on everybody and encourages and just supports them so they can make it to their finish line. That's who I want all the time for everybody in your community, in your church. You've gotta be that guy that lifts people up and just spreads my love. And that was, that was a huge turning point for me. God answers prayers and and I know it's kind of a cliche thing that it's not in your time. <laughs> it's always in his time, but um, that prayer works. And for the amount of years that I prayed for him to have the, the type of community that he needed to flourish and to see him in that now is like amazing. We, we laugh, uh, we cry, 
and play jokes on each other. Play jokes on each other, <laughs> um, and uh, we'll, we've had a couple of nights where people have been tired and thinking, "Hey, we're just going to have a short, a short evening." And those are the nights that we end up saying, "Holy cow, we've gone way past our time." And everybody is emotionally exhausted, but it turns out to be the nights that we needed each other most, and uh, and we've really grown close and been able to love on each other and help people through specific needs. Um, we're at a few different ranges as far as where we're at in our lives with kids at home or kids not at home, um, but we can still relate because we all still have some of the same issues going on that we can lean on each other and really provide the support that's needed that you just can't go a marathon you can't do 26.2 miles you can't do 13.1 if you don't have that support if you don't have people lifting you up to be in your corner um, and again as insignificant as we think our gift is it's significant to somebody no matter how small our gift is or how small we think it is it's a huge gift in God's world and in his plan God's so faithful. It's just been amazing to see God work in Brian's life. And here's the thing. God has a group for you within the body of Christ. We've got moms groups where moms encourage each other. We've got men's groups, women's groups. We've got cancer support groups. We've got divorce care groups. We've got the running group that you just saw. And even if you feel like I'm not a runner, that's how Brian felt when he started. The point is, if you'll go down to our small groups fair in the gym today, there is a group for you. If you're online, do text that word group to us. Uh, we actually just had three folks from a fully online group. We have these groups where they meet over Zoom, and they're led uh, by faithfully trained disciple makers here. And we just had three people from one of our fully online groups get baptized, and a pastor went to their home uh, to baptize them, and we've had others fly here to get baptized from online groups. So whether you're online or in person, it is God's will for you to be living in community with other believers. That is so much of what gets you through the storms. In fact, I want you to just imagine in your mind's eye a village of homes all built on solid rock and that when the floodwaters come through, these homes, they're all standing strong together. Uh, that is what we are as the body of Christ, as a church. Our homes support one another. In fact, earlier when I shared the story of Jared and Kirsten and how they didn't just survive that storm of that brain tumor, but they are thriving and they are joyful. You know what's so beautiful about this story is that they were raised in this village. They were raised on the solid rock. There's people here who were Jared's small group leaders when he was a middle school boy and a high school boy. Here's Jared being baptized as a young man. And I just have to show you this. I saw this picture from the old church directory, and I thought, man, we should bring back the church directory, like in a retro fashion and like all walk through. And man, I, I remember as a kid flipping through the church directory and like looking at who I who I knew in there. Some, I know I'm going to get emails. You're like, yeah, that's a really good idea. We need to really do it. It's not the point I'm making right now, okay? <laughs> Here's the point. God has a village for you where when you go through the storms, not only are you on the solid rock, but you're not alone 
in the storm. I just want you to imagine homes that serve each other. Imagine a community that stands strong and unshaken through the storm of COVID, through the storms of cultural change. This is a church that has stood through the storms of the Great Depression, of World War II. This church existed before the Civil War, and people stood firm throughout all sorts of turbulence in the world. And the point is this, if we will be a movement of people who say every one of our households will be built on the solid rock, then Jesus makes us a promise. Did you notice that in his story? It's a promise. Your home will not collapse no matter what storm you go through. Now, I just want to wrap all this up by talking about God's blessing on your home. Because the story we looked at is the end of this three-chapter sermon. You know how the that sermon starts? Blessed are those who. Blessed are those who. God wants to bless your household. How can you put yourself under that blessing? Hear Jesus' words and put them into practice. I'm going to pray that for you right now. Father, we are gathered here knowing that you are the solution to our problems. Uh, we're gathered here because there are storms in life. And Lord, with humility, we just acknowledge that if we just try to grit and bear it and just make it through in our own strength, we'll eventually collapse. But Almighty God, thank you that you loved every single one of us enough that from eternity past, you saw the hard things we'd go through. You saw the storms and you've provided shelter from the storm. You've provided stability in the storm. And Jesus, through your work on the cross, you've ultimately provided deliverance out of the storm. So Lord, in this world where we will have trouble today, we establish our foundation on you. Lord, we don't wanna be merely hearers of your word, but doers also. May our homes as a movement, every single home represented here, every family in our church, those you're bringing to our church, may we not only hear your words, Jesus, but put them into practice. Lord, would we see thousands more life transformations like Michael and Brian. And Lord, when we go through brain tumors and car accidents and COVID and crises, may we be a village of homes built on the solid rock that we support each other. We stand with one another. And after the storm passes, we're still standing. We're still united under you as our leader. God, I wanna pray today your blessing over every household that chooses to say, Jesus, you are our king. We will gather, we will serve, we will find our people. We will be part of your movement. Jesus, we wanna hear your words and obey them. Bless those families today, we pray in Jesus' name.